Every story in scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. And in these video classes, we've been making our way through the Bible in a summary fashion, the 17 periods of Bible history. We are pleased to arrive today in the New Testament, the life of Christ, as documented by the Holy Spirit through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very early in these classes, I mean back in Genesis, we discovered that God made a promise. The devil would be defeated. People from all nations would have opportunity to be blessed spiritually through Jesus Christ, who would come from the Jewish nation. Everything we've studied up to this point exhibits God slowly, steadfastly working to fulfill his promises. Now in the New Testament, the time has come. If you were with us in the last class, we're using this phrase, the fullness of time. Only God had the power and the wisdom to select exactly the right time the fullness of time. This class will summarize the life of Christ as documented by the Holy Spirit through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So first, we're going to address this question that always seems to come up and needs to be addressed. Why four writers? Why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? All four are telling the truth as widely witnessed by men and attested by God through miracles. All four speak of Jesus and call upon readers to know him, believe in him, and obey him. So why four writers? First, they are writing to different audiences. For example, Matthew to a predominantly Jewish audience. Luke to Theophilus, John is more universal in intended audience. There is a different emphasis when you compare Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark captures action narratives showing who Jesus is, how he reacted, and how people reacted to him, what he said, and how people responded to his teaching. Mark is brief and to the point and moving quickly. Matthew shows how Jesus fulfilled prophecy, and there is emphasis on his ultimate role as spiritual king over his people. Luke is addressing certainty. In both Luke and Acts, there is emphasis on the gospel being certain and being taken to all men. John is focused on the evidence of Jesus' miracles showing he is who he claimed to be. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Could I illustrate further? I want you to imagine there is a car accident, and investigators arrive on the scene, and they are interviewing witnesses. Do you just interview one witness? No. They interview all the available witnesses, and they compare their accounts. 
Let us imagine there are four witnesses. They observe the accident from four different angles. What they report isn't the same because they were observing from different places. Their accounts, however, are in perfect harmony, but they are different. When skeptical readers or critics see differences between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that doesn't prove conflict or contradiction. They wrote from different viewpoints, inspired by the same spirit, but for different audiences. We are thankful, therefore, to have these four composite accounts of who Jesus is, what he did, what he taught, and what he promises to those who respond to him. Now, how do we study or survey the life of Christ in one class? Obviously, we cannot cover every event, every narrative or detail. We could use a map. We could use a chart with the harmony of the Gospels. We could use a chart with milestones or landmarks, birth, baptism, temptation, transfiguration, trial, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. I have a sermon where I go through his life as Galilee, garden, grave, and glory. There are many different approaches, all suitable for certain teaching circumstances. What I've decided to do is give us a quick survey of key events moving chronologically. And then I want to stress the truth about Jesus Christ and the critical factor of the activity of our faith in him, not just knowledge of his life, but a reflection of his life as we obey him. Jesus existed in heaven before his birth. According to John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, the eternal pre-existence of Jesus is affirmed. His physical, legal ancestors are documented in the genealogies of Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. After his birth, there was his circumcision and presentation in the temple. Then Joseph, Mary, and Jesus had to flee to Egypt due to the threat of Herod. After that, back to Nazareth of Galilee. And that takes us to the work of John the Baptist, written in the third chapter of Matthew, followed by the temptation of Jesus and his baptism. Now, this next chart is provided courtesy of a gospel preacher, friend of mine in Corpus Christi, Mark Hines. And I'm using this with his permission. It is from his book, Amazed by Jesus, Volume 1. This chart continues on the left with the ministry of John, documented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John came, John the Baptist we speak of now, to prepare the way, to call the people to repentance and direct their attention to God's promised fulfillment in Christ of his plan. 
John was received by righteous Jews and people ready to repent and receive the Savior. He was not well received by the religious establishment or the Herod family. More about that later. As we move from left to right, may I call attention to some chronological markers. Notable, the four Passovers mentioned in the Gospel of John. Those are significant in placing these events on a timeline. John chapter 1 takes us to the early events of the wedding feast and that miracle, the cleansing of the temple, and Jesus' exchange with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, where Jesus spoke to him about being born again. In this period, sometimes called the early Judean ministry, there was Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. If you were on a map tracing these events, you would at about this point go north with Jesus to Galilee. Matthew, Mark, and Luke provide the story here, including growing controversy with the established religious authorities who rejected Jesus. In the next phase of time, after the second Passover, there is the Sermon on the Mount, and John the Baptist is beheaded. Apostles are chosen and sent out on what is called the Limited Commission, only to Jews. The third or latter Galilean period was after the third Passover. You have here that famous transfiguration scene you can read about in Matthew chapter 17, where God said about Jesus, hear him and do what he says. There was the Feast of Tabernacles and Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem a few months in Perea before Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. We come to a time when it's necessary to focus on something very sad, very ugly, and that is the trials of Jesus. Not the trial, but the trials of Jesus. And there's one word that captures what that was all about. Illegal, from start to finish. See, Jesus lived and spoke the truth, even when that truth was rejected by the religious establishment. Jesus did not sign on to any plan to rebel violently against the Roman Empire for Jewish independence. Jesus' concern was, to identify the problem of sin, teach people righteous living, illustrate righteous living by the way he lived, and then give his life as atonement for sin. His life and message were not received well by those who held power. And so you have six trials, three Jewish, three Roman the charges against him were changed. This was over a 24-hour period, violating both Jewish and Roman law. He was crucified, arose the third day, and after that, ascended back to the Father. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were used by God to tell this story, to give us this history of God's plan. 
I think I cannot devote a class like this to summarize the life of Jesus Christ without reviewing these key truths that form the foundation of our faith. Let's go through these. Who he was in deity and humanity. He was born to Mary, a little baby with a real physical body. He grew up like children grow up. He became a man, experienced the full range of human capacities, emotion, pain, exhaustion. He was the son of man in that regard. But also, at the same time, Colossians 2 and verse 9 states, In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He lived as a man, but at the same time was divine. John 1.14 states the matter well. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What He taught was the truth of God. In John chapter 8, there is this intriguing debate between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus was really the subject of the debate, and he identifies himself with the Father. This is the place where he says in John 8, 23, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And then in John chapter 8, would you consider some of the claims made by Jesus? For instance, in verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Still in John chapter 8 at verse 38, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And Jesus says their father was the devil. Verse 45, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Verse 51, still in John 8, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus spoke nothing but the truth from God. And only when we listen, only when we decide to keep his word, then we can enjoy the promises that he made. If anyone keeps my word, Jesus said, we have given through the apostles his word in the New Testament. What he did was what was right perfectly. Peter's statement in Acts 10.38, he went about doing good. In his temptation that we read about in Matthew 4, he came out 100% sinless, 100% perfect. His attitude, his words, his relationship and dealings with people, his reverence toward God, his teaching, all of it 100% perfect and therefore worthy of our confidence. He committed no sin. Peter said, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. 
1 Peter chapter 2, 21 to 23. When you read about Jesus and his persecution and death, in Matthew 26, Matthew 27, you are impressed that he suffered tremendously day after day in every ways one could suffer. Jesus suffered because of sin and so that he might free us from sin. Now, once we look over a summary of his life and we remember what was taught in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is one question of utmost importance and it's a personal one. What does he mean to me? What does he mean to you? Truth that remains impersonal or only intellectual is still the truth, but it doesn't change your life. May I say that again? Truth that remains impersonal or only intellectual is still the truth, but it doesn't change your life. You can learn everything the Bible says about Jesus Christ and enjoy no benefit if you don't make it personal. Truth will not transform you until you respond to it. So the question of the hour is, what does Jesus mean to me, to you? He came to earth to pay a debt he did not owe that we could not pay. All his energy was focused on his God and our need. When you read this, and when you learn more about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the first personal results should be to be convicted of your sin, your lost condition, and then believing in him, you give your life in obedience to him. Until this happens, the truth may be known. It may be here, but it will not change your life until you make it personal. Here's something we have presented before during our classes in the 17 periods of Bible history. Who is Jesus? That's answered in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How does the sinner respond to him, become his follower? That's answered in the book of Acts. We'll talk about next time. How do I live daily as a Christian? That's answered in the epistles. How are preachers and elders to do their work? That's answered in First and Second Timothy and Titus. More about what Christians need to know to solidify their faith and live by faith. Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John and Jude. Victory in Christ in the book of Revelation. Friends, we have two more classes. We have one class coming up based on the book of Acts. Just that one class, a summary of Acts, we will study Acts in detail later, and then we have another class to round out the 17 periods of Bible history based on the epistles. Thank you for being with us in this study.